When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everyone and welcome to Can Dare, your tribute to pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. And I'm Randy Hardenbrook. And another one of those great episodes, I think uh, we, we can say, right? Yeah. Another great guest that uh, just, again, fi- over 500 episodes in makes this experience still surreal. It's it's just so awesome being able to talk to somebody that, that we've grown up with and, yeah. and seen and just, yeah, it it's a loss for words sometimes just to help fortunate we are to get exactly. the opportunities we've had. Yeah, an experience that never uh, diminishes. It's always yeah. awesome to talk to these people. We're always embracing our inner fangirl. <laughs> you have to. <laughs> but our guest today is an actress, comedian, designer, and author, and has made appearances in shows like The Fall Guy, Hill Street Blues, uh, Murder, She Wrote, The Cosby Show, The A-Team, which we're definitely going to be talking about, Sister, Sister, to name a few, but you know her best as Aunt Viv from The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. She was the second Aunt Viv to come in on the show. I believe the second, third season. I think it was the third season, uh, maybe. Caught me off guard on that. I'm not 100% I'm sure. pretty sure it was in the third <laughs> season. But we welcome Daphne Maxwell-Reed to the show today. And what a great conversation we had. She was such a charming person, as you're soon going to hear. But again, like we were saying at the top of this, it never ceases to be amazing to look up there and see uh, Aunt Viv talking with us. is was pretty darn cool. Yeah, absolutely. And just super fortunate to get, not only for us to get the time, but for you guys to hear a lot about her that you probably didn't know because there was stuff we didn't know. Absolutely. And, yeah. Like she was the first African-American woman on the cover of Glamour magazine. She's a pioneer. Yeah, she you really know? is. No bullshit. She... Totally Definitely is, is. It's just the tip of the iceberg of everything she has going on. So very excited for you guys to listen to our conversation with Daphne. But before we get to it, got to pay the bills, right? So don't forget to find us on Twitter at CanDarePod, on Instagram at Can underscore Air, and on TikTok at CanDarePodcast. And if you go over to CanDarePodcast.com, our headquarters, you can uh, also find two different ways there to support us. You can uh, click on our merch button where you can get uh, T-shirts, uh, mugs, hats, what else? It's freaking hoodie season. Stickers, hoodies, hoodies. Yeah, beanies. Come on, people. Let us warm your head this uh, winter season. And uh, what else? Our Patreon page, where 5 to $10 a month gets you access 
to uh, the Patreon pod and other uh, projects we've been doing, where uh, we've always described, and I think episode 500 <laughs> was uh, great evidence. Kind of pulled, pulled the sheet back a little bit. Let's yeah, it's where that. we go to let our hair down. Yeah, you, will, you won't hear us saying stuff on the regular show like we say on there. Not that we're saying anything bad. And we'll never cop to the stuff that... <laughs> we'll we'll never Patreon. admit it. Yep. <laughs> But uh, that's what you can find over there on top of our past episodes, some of our special guests. And uh, Jack just reactivated the old real world heroes part of our website where we honor people in the world who have done real heroic things. You know, we in the past, we were always just talking about Spider-Man mm-hmm. and Batman, etc. And we wanted to honor real uh, heroes out in the world. So you'll also find that at CandarePodcast.com. Randy, what else am I forgetting? Uh, big shout out to Evergreen Podcast, the network we are so proud to be a part of. Yes. Um, and no matter how you're listening to us, if it's on Apple iTunes, if it's on Spotify, whatever, if you can leave us a like and review or just any type of love, it, it helps out so much. It's not just for our egos. It really... <laughs> It's I mean, not. it is, but it isn't. Uh, it, it really does help. And um, yeah, if you have a spooky, scary story, you know, you've seen something strange or unusual, uh, yeah, we want to hear it. We want to hear it on the show for a Halloween episode. Reach out to us. We'll uh, get you on, talk about it. Or if, you know, you're, you're too nervous to be on mic with us. Um, you know, we'll have one of us read it out, and uh, yeah, it's... Well, we'll find a way to make it happen. Yeah, yeah. We just want to hear your experiences, people. We'll have Jack read it in a Southern Bell voice, so... You well, know, it... no, that might be deterring them. <laughs> we want to we keep them, but no, it's, it's easily become, uh, at least mine, I don't know about your guys', is the Halloween episode is one of my favorite things we've been doing these past few years. What? Oh, I was just say you know I'm a Halloween freak. So. I know, I know you are, but I, and I don't want to speak for you at the same time, but... Uh, they're great. The last two years, we've had people on to talk about any experiences with cryptids or ghosts or even UFOs. So if you have anything that fits the criteria, people, let us know. We want to get you on the show. Or like Randy said, we can just read your story. Uh, let us know. Info at candarepodcast.com or you can just go to candarepodcast.com and there's a submission form that you can send us any message you want. And at the end of the year here, coming up November. November. The Torg Gaming Expo here in Columbus, which last year, it blew the doors off that place. I was freaking tired after that shit, man. Yeah, (laughs) we all were. But it was very successful, and we're uh, expecting this year to be even better. Well, yeah, it's a two-day event. Yeah. Yeah. So come on out. It's at the Ohio State Fairgrounds at the end of November. I don't have the exact dates. I want to say November 22nd, something like that. Yeah, something like that. We'll, we'll have that figured out for next show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'll also have a, a, the website in the description along with the other things that I say I'm going to put it in the description further in the episode. But is there anything else? I don't think so. Let's let the people hear what they're here to hear. Let's let them hear it. Our conversation with Aunt Viv, Daphne, Maxwell, Reed. Daphne, I want to thank you so much for taking time to be on the show here tonight. It's truly an honor to have Aunt Viv on the show with us. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much for the invitation. I'm happy to be here. And I'm so excited, we both are, to talk with you, but there's so many things to talk about because you're so darn busy, acting, clothing designer, your photography, you're an author, uh, you've done modeling, the list just keeps going. So where does it all start? What came first? Let's see, probably photography came first. Uh, my father was an amateur photographer, but he took pictures of our family at every opportunity anyway. 
Really? And uh, we all got cameras when we were young. I had a, a camera. I started with a little box brownie camera when I was about eight or nine years old. And I don't think I've been without a camera since. So I've always had the bug, <laughs> but I didn't really start a journey with photography until I was probably about 60 years old. Okay. okay. So growing up, uh, you know, taking pictures, using uh, different kinds of cameras, what do you think about like the iPhone camera? Do you, when you go out to take pictures, do you use your phone camera or do you still like use older cameras or what, what kind of camera do you prefer? I like my Sony 5000. It's a, um, it's a digital camera. Okay. Uh, I used to do film cameras, but boy, does that get expensive when you've got to <laughs> send your oh, film yeah. to be processed. Plus, you don't have much um, say over what the final picture is unless <laughs> you did it when you took the picture. Um, so I like digital photography, and that's what I have done my professional career on is digital photography. I'll use my iPhone for things like if I see some flowers or some sort of um, arrangement, some sort of kind of uh, situation that is canned small and I don't have my camera, I'm happy to use the iPhone camera. It's a good camera. I, the, not yeah. too long ago, I was taking pictures uh, for an article that's coming out, and we were using this Canon T2i, which is a nice camera, but I couldn't get it to work the way I wanted. And we got the iPhone out, and like, okay, that works. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and editable. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So uh, we definitely want to talk more about your photography a little bit later, especially when it comes to your doors, because uh, I can't wait to talk about your door book. That looks awesome. But we uh, have to touch on acting. Where does acting come into the fold? Uh, let's see. My mother said when I was three, <laughs> it was always on. But um, I was acting in high school as a lark. There was kind of a Saturday afternoon program called the Group Theater workshop and it was led by Robert Hooks and we had all Douglas Turner Ward was one of the people in there Barbara Teer was a movement coach lots of Antonio Fargus was in that group it was just a group of kids that came together in New York on a Saturday and and played sure <laughs> I was doing it for a lark it was fun <laughs> it was a way to spend some time and it was a way to express myself other than the mental expression that I did because I was very education focused and one right. of those good students kind of people. <laughs> so I needed a way to <laughs> express more than how I was expressing myself with my sewing. So I see. So it's not something you had like always wanted to do. It just kind no. of naturally happened. It couldn't have been something that I wanted to do because I didn't see any examples that I could earn a living doing that. There were not. Not very many uh, opportunities for black actors unless they were doing black theater. We had Diane Carroll and she was doing theater at the time. And then she got a shot on television, but there were not a lot of opportunities. So no, you don't put that in your dream, dream bank. You said, oh, okay, that's not where I'm going to make a living. That makes sense. So, so what year was it then um, that you were the first African-American woman to be on Glamour magazine? Because that's pretty darn cool. Well, that was 1969. And that was a year after I was the first black homecoming queen at Northwestern University. So it was a season of mine that I think I was kind of discovered. I see. And um, 
about 67, I was did my first print job. My English teacher got me the opportunity to work on my first modeling job. So I got selected by Seventeen Magazine to do a, a spot in the Real Girl issue, 1967, had to be, January. And the Real Girls are, were selected from all over the country. I had roomed with the um, baton twirling champion from Iowa, the Betty Crocker Bake Off winner, those folks. <laughs> <laughs> and I had gotten a um, merit scholarship award uh, to college. So that was my feature. And Eileen Ford, who was one of the leading modeling agents in New York, saw the picture in Seventeen Magazine and asked me to join her roster. I was in Chicago in school at Northwestern. Mm -hmm. So she assigned a woman named Amy Green to kind of be my mentor. And Amy would call me up and say, can you get to New York on Thursday? I got a job for you. And I'd hop on a plane. And you guys are going to really, <laughs> I could fly from Chicago to New York and back for $25. Oh, my God. <laughs> United <laughs> Airlines had a student fare and it was $25. And when I get to New York, I was working for $50 an hour. So definitely I was going to hop on a plane sure. and uh, go work. So I did a lot of editorial work for Madness Lane. Mademoiselle magazine and 17 magazine and lots of little editorial things. And one time Amy called me to come to New York and I got there and she said, okay, just pull your hair over to the side, uh, put on some lip gloss and some mascara and here, put this jacket on and sit on the window right there. Well, I sat on the windowsill, nice backlighting. And a guy came in with a camera and I don't think he used a whole roll of film. And then she said, okay, you can go back to school now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and a few months wow. later, I was walking down the street and passed a newsstand and saw my face on the cover of Glamour magazine. That's how you found I out? I had they... no idea. That's crazy. Wow. <laughs> That's so my nuts. life, uh, I think a subtitle for my life is serendipity. <laughs> 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 it's crazy how uh they do that i remember we had susan bennett on the show some time ago she's the original voice of siri on the iphone and she mm -hmm. said she didn't know her voice was siri until her friend called her and said you got to listen to this i'm pretty sure this is you it's yeah. it's crazy that they can put your image out there like that and you don't even have to be told no and i wasn't going to get any extra pay for that so it really didn't matter but i got <laughs> a whole lot of kudos so <laughs> i would say so yeah. It served me well. So from that, I was modeling, and then I graduated from college with a degree in interior design and architecture, and I was married to the football player that I had met when I was in college, and I was working in Chicago, uh, doing more modeling, doing commercials, um, got to do the voice of the washing machine for the cheer commercial. That was my first national commercial. I had no idea you could make so much money. <laughs> so I said, hmm. Yeah, I'll voice a washing so, machine. Yeah. And then um, I was doing voiceovers for corporate stuff and reading narrations. I taught COBOL language to 
computer people. Now, this is when a computer had punch cards. Oh, and wow. I'm talking about COBOL language and teaching. I had no idea what I was talking about. But I was earning a living just talking. I said, oh, I think I like this. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Absolutely. And then um, I was in town in Chicago and Robert Conrad came to Chicago and he was going to do a series called The Duke. He was going to cast it there and he was going to shoot it there. And uh, I auditioned just like everybody else who was in the agency and uh, they came back. She said, no, I'm sorry, you didn't get the job. And I said, okay, that's fine. And I was going to go on about my business. And the next day she called me. She said, I don't know what you did at that audition, but they hand wrote you into the script. Oh, wow. I said, oh, nice. And I had a <laughs> recurring role on that show. So that was my first television um, series exposure. Wow. Which so is just I kind of serendipitously fell into acting. <laughs> and I said, you know, I like this. <laughs> oh my God. And you've been in so many things. Like it was hard to uh, sit and choose, you know, what I was going to write down to make the list I have. And it's just the tip of the iceberg. It's incredible. <laughs> well, if you get to be this old, then you get to do a lot of things. But go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> and you had mentioned you had a degree in uh, interior design and architecture. Have you ever had the opportunity to kind of utilize that either with uh, New Millennium or any of the, the shows you've been on? I know you do some fashion design as well for some of the roles mm -hmm. you've been in. I, and I do. Um, I did makeovers of the houses that we lived in. OK. Uh, and yes, I designed a lot of New Millennium Studios. That's so and cool. I scared the poor contractors who was who were building it because they were building it from the ground up. And I would go on to the uh, site and I said, uh, that doesn't belong there. That that <laughs> is six inches higher than that. And they, how do you know? I said, I read the blueprints. Maybe you should try doing that. <laughs> and going, uh oh, she knows what we're doing. <laughs> oh, so that's awesome. I use it, but uh, not for, I haven't done it for anybody besides ourselves. Gotcha. I actually found on, uh, on YouTube the other night, a, a episode of lifestyles of the rich and famous with yourself and Tim's house and the video quality itself needed work. It looked like someone didn't adjust the tracking wheel, but I still got to see a bit of uh, what you're talking about. And it's incredible. Uh, we had some wonderful opportunities. Robin Leach was um, a friend of Tim's. He had interviewed him when he was on WKRP. And that's oh, when okay. Robin Leach was was writing for the Inquirer. <laughs> so <laughs> we've known him for, for a long time. And he would say, oh, guys, you want to go to Turkey? Yeah. <laughs> yeah why not? <laughs> an hour and a half to pack, you know, <laughs> and send us off to Turkey to do lifestyles of the rich and famous and then play for a couple of days and i said yeah i could do this he sent <laughs> us on so many wonderful trips <laughs> that's he was amazing a, yeah that's you've seen a good portion of the world but you know between these it's, kind of a things and uh you know what i read in your book and our own personal yeah yeah absolutely how neat so with with the dynamic of, you know, working together with a spouse, I, I had the opportunity to work with mine a couple times. And it's just it's hard to find something to talk about at the end of the day. How's that dynamic been with you? Oh, there's a lot to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Why did 
didn't you? <laughs> yeah, sim a similar situation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, well, I had modeled with uh, Tim when I was in Chicago. He lived in Chicago as well. Okay. And then he went out to Los Angeles and he was doing lots of things. He did stand-up comedy and then he did lots of little shows like uh, the Tony Orlando show and those kinds of things that they had uh, back then. Variety shows mostly. Sure. And then um, after his stand-up comedy, he got the job at WKRP, and he was on that show. I'd never seen WKRP, but when I went out to Chicago, Robert Conrad was there, and he says, oh, I want to put you in this episode that I'm doing of A Man Called Sloan. I said, okay, thank you. And he gave me a place to go to get an agent. So I hit the ground running when I got to Los Angeles. Wow. I said, oh, this is a nice way. Serendipity. This is not how it's done, folks. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and um, some friends I was hanging out with from Chicago said, do you remember Tim Reed from Chicago? I'm going, mm, barely. And he said, well, uh, I told him you were in town. He said to tell you hello. I said, I give him my number. So he called me for a little five minute date. And... Um, we got to talking and laughing, and five hours later, we had breakfast, and now, 44 years later, we are still together. So it was serendipity that he was there, I was there, and it clicked. Wow. So that was my jump into show business thing, and I started by hanging out with him and had two episodes of WKRP when I got out there. But that was after I had worked with Bob Conrad on about three projects. I'd done the A-Team, lots of things before we started working together. And KRP was probably the first opportunity I got to work with him. And then after KRP, he did Simon and Simon. And some of the writers from KRP were writing for Simon and Simon. So they said, oh, he needs a girlfriend. Call Daphne. <laughs> so <laughs> I became Temple Hill on Simon and Simon. <laughs> and then so after cool. Simon and Simon, he created Frank's Place with the original, uh, the guy who wrote um, WKRP, Hugh Wilson, right. created Frank's Place. And Hugh says, we're going to put Daphne in this. He couldn't say no. <laughs> he wanted to, but he couldn't say no. <laughs> So I've, I've had quite a career sleeping with the director and the producer. So. <laughs> Put that on the T-shirt. I like it. <laughs> it's almost like you can uh, see my notes because I am a huge A-Team fan. And um, I was wondering if you could tell me or tell us about that experience uh, being on the A-Team. It says you played uh, Nurse Lewis. I played two episodes of the A-Team. I don't remember Nurse Lewis, but I remember being a park ranger or something with a monkey that I had to carry around with me all the time. <laughs> Whoa, get this monkey. <laughs> yeah, it'd be and hard to act the, with a monkey on your back. It's hard. It's really hard. It's <laughs> annoying, too. Picking at your hair. And, oh, sure. It was fun. Uh, one of the scenes that I remember vividly was some way they wrote that I was supposed to kiss Mr. T. Oh, wow. Okay. This character. And he started sweating like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, I said, no, 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 no. You relax. 
<laughs> and I went up to him and kissed him on his head. And that was it. <laughs> 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 I don't want to kiss you either. <laughs> oh, man. Was so it just, that, uh, that was kind of vivid. <laughs> was it just his nerves? He was just bashful? He, he was nervous. He did. Yeah. He, I don't think he'd ever had an on-screen kiss before. He didn't know what it was going to be. I wasn't going to, you know, tongue him or anything. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have the most memorable episode of the A-Team if you did. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's so awesome to hear. I, yeah, I don't know about Nurse Lewis. That's just what I had seen on the uh, I don't internet. Know. I haven't seen those episodes probably since the 70s. I have no wow. idea what they are. They're on DVD. Okay. <laughs> In my basement. <laughs> that, that I'm sorry, you're not at your work. mom's house, are you? <laughs> What's that? You're not at your mom's house, are you? No, no, oh. God, no. <laughs> <laughs> What? How have I painted myself in the last half? <laughs> okay. Well, you said you were in the basement. <laughs> oh man, I need to strike the word basement yeah, from this do. show because the last time I used that word, uh, same kind of yeah. thing was implied. No more basement talk. <laughs> we're going to take a break to jump to a quick commercial, but don't go anywhere. More with Daphne when we return. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right. Um, let's cut over to Fresh Prince of Bel-Air uh, playing Aunt Viv. You said originally, you know, when you were first given that audition... Uh, that it had been described to you as a show by a young rapper, and that uh, that that description. A sitcom with a rapper. I'm going. Okay. Yeah. Mm, no. See, I've got these credits, and <laughs> 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 that's not like in my purview. <laughs> sure. So, well, no, so I didn't go to the audition. What What was it though? What was your first estimation of what that show might look like? Hearing a sitcom with a young uh, rapper. What were you envisioning that made you say no? No, no, I knew rap. <laughs> Our son was in the music business. I knew all about rap. <laughs> okay, said, there you go. Know. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, a few years later, uh, they call you back when they're looking for a new Aunt Viv. And uh, you said that when you went to audition, that there was two and a half weeks of auditions. And from a couple guys here who have never gone through that process, what does two and a half weeks of auditions look like? Is it just having you come do the same thing for different people? Or is it like a sports bracket where you're, you know, competing with the other people all the way down to a winner? How's that work? 
basically sports bracket. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> the first audition I went to, I saw maybe a hundred women I'd never seen before. And then they call me back, but that's a few days later. And then, um, there were another hundred women I had never seen before. <laughs> and I auditioned again, same scene. And um, then they called me back again, say, you have a third audition. And I got to audition with James Avery. Oh, wow. And okay. I fell in love with that man. He was just the warmest, huggiest man. Right. And we clicked, I guess. So I had that audition with him. That was my third audition. And then they had me come back with producers and some other people and audition with James again. And I enjoyed that. And then they got down to the final three and there were three of us to go to the network. And uh, we were all sitting outside of an office. Hi, how are you? Nice to meet you. Oh, good to see you. Yeah, okay. And one by one, they took us into a room that was jam-packed with network people and producers and Quincy Jones and all of this. Oh, wow. And no James pressure. was in there. Oh, and I got to audition with James again. And we had a ball. And then they made us wait until 10 o'clock the next day before they announced who the winner was. And I was holding my breath. I bet. <laughs> and they called and said, you got the job. And I cried. I was so sure. delighted because I had seen the show when it first started. I'm going, oh, what a cute show. Right. <laughs> but uh, I was thrilled. And I had no idea what drama had gone on. And when I got right. there, they never talked about the drama that had gone on. So right. I came in fresh. They knew my track record of work and treated me like I was a professional. And also treated me like a family member, which was just embracing. It was delightful. I've heard you talk about that before, how close you guys were behind the scenes. And, you know, the show. And still are. Are you? That's good to oh, hear. Yeah. Um, but how, you know, that show, it's definitely not the first sitcom to bring in heavy, hard-hitting moments from time to time. But it's one that I think stands out in probably more people's memories than most just because of the, the gravity those scenes had, especially, uh, you know, Will and his father, that, that uh, yeah. famous scene there. But I've heard you yeah. say on another interview before, you know, that how close you all were is what helped those moments give that extra bit of gravi gravity. Uh, could you explain that a little bit and talk about uh, maybe a funny moment or a good memory behind the scenes with these people? We had the privilege and the respect of the writers and producers so that when we were in our Monday script reading, we did a table read on Mondays. When we were going through the script, there were things that were said or, or asked of us in the script. And we would say, excuse me, no, culturally, that's not how we do that. Mm. And they said, do it your way. And they allowed us to make sure that the moments that we were going to have were culturally relevant. It wasn't just write a line, make somebody laugh and move on. It was well thought out. Right. And it was, we were allowed to bring a sense of community reality to the situation and still have it be funny. 
So I think because of that, there was a relevance that you don't always get in a black sitcom unless there are black writers or the cast is allowed to inject uh, the sensitivities that need to be there to make it more authentic. Mm, right. Wow. Good answer, by the way. <laughs> that was that was that was really cool to hear. Um, but in a great show, always love it. And I'm not saying anything prolific there, but you'd also talked about how, uh, I mean, you mentioned earlier how you and James clicked, but I've also heard you say that, you know, you guys, your families became great friends and you guys were, yeah. uh, always vacationing together. Uh, can you talk a little bit about James? Cause you know, what a loss, what a loss. Uh, what a loss. Just last week, there was a, a his hometown of Pewville, <laughs> Virginia had the first Avery Fest. And oh, wow. his widow, Barbara and I are very close friends. And she was in Detroit. And she asked me, did you get this invitation? I said, yeah, are you going? She said, if you go, I'll go. So she came to visit me, stayed at my house. We drove down to Pewsville, participated in the first Avery Fest, and then came back home. We are close enough that our families know all of our family members. And we have always been that close to each other. We, it's not a strain to call Karen up and ask her how her daughter's doing, how her son's doing. Oh, I'm going to see you in London when we do Comic-Con. Yeah, that's going to be fun. <laughs> we do this all the time. It's yeah. not unusual. What's, a, what's an Avery Fest look like? What do they do at Avery Fest? <laughs> it was simple. <laughs> it was their first. <laughs> <laughs> It was in a park. It was lovely. They had jazz playing because James loved jazz. Oh, I didn't they know that. They had a T-shirt made um, with his face on it, and of course, we grabbed some of those. They had people out there who were just talking about James Avery growing up there and wanting to hear Barbara's stories of him in his personal life and her marriage with him, and me with working with him. And we call ourselves sister wives because I always borrowed her husband when I needed him. So <laughs> <laughs> I would have an event booked and my husband was gone off somewhere and I'd call, Barbara, can I borrow your husband? Okay. <laughs> and he would come and do the event with me. So it was either my husband or James. They knew that we were all husbands and wives. Right. So we have had... A blast. We went to Joseph Marcel's wedding in London together, all four of us. Wow. And we howled with laughter the entire time. We had a ball. So friends is deeper, a little deeper than friendship that we right. have established with the members of that company. That's so cool. It's so refreshing to hear too. Yeah, for sure. I could sit here and ask you about uh, Fresh Prince all day long. But you ask anything you want. Well, I want to ask you about your cookbook next. Uh, Grace, Soul, and Mother Wit, a cookbook spiced with personal memories. And I've heard you describe this as a mini memoir. And uh, mm -hmm. did you take the picture that's on the cover? Because it, it, I did. It, okay, I, I figured you did. <laughs> it looks beautiful. I took all the pictures. Can you tell us and a little I bit about this book? I formatted the book. Oh, wow. And <laughs> I determined what paper it would be printed on. I did the entire book myself. I do that with my books. I do them on my computer and send a file to my printer and say, do this. That's, that's got to be uh, 
Well, I mean, I know that's a great way to create. I mean, that's the beauty of doing a podcast. There's no one to tell you yes or no. You do it the way you want to do it. Yeah. I get that. The first time I, I did my Doors book, which was before the cookbook, I had the concept of doing a book. I had been talking about all these travels and things that I had done to take the pictures of the Doors. And I had done gallery shows of hanging the Doors and selling the prints. And I said, well, now I keep talking about this voyage, so let me just write it down. So I started formatting this book. And a friend of mine uh, had an editor at Simon & Schuster, and she got a meeting for me. And I took it up to him, a little mock-up of what I had done, and presented it to him. And I said, like your notes, please. And he looked at it, and he said, hmm, hmm. (laughs) He said, we we couldn't publish this book because it's not something you would sell in a bookstore. Nobody looks for books of doors, but it would be very well received in gift shops, museum gift shops and things like that. I said, oh, that's an idea. And he says, now, if you take this picture and you put it over here and you do this and you put the words over here, then, you know, it would flow a little. I took every note that that man gave me, (laughs) reformatted the book, had it printed and sent him a copy. And I've sold out of that book. So (laughs) it's, it's, it was a great beginning to my journey. It really sparked an interest in not only the photography, but the publishing and the, the editing and the, the mocking up. I just love doing all that stuff. Of course. Uh, man, I, I want to ask more about doors, but I feel like I should ask more about the cookbook too. I mean, can you tell us a little bit about the cookbook and like what inspired you to make it? And did you have any favorite recipes in there? Okay. I have been collecting recipes for years and years and years. My mother was a good cook and I got some of her recipes and I used to hold dinner parties. Uh, Tim and I would hold these grand dinner parties and Thanksgiving parties. And every Christmas we would make a little cookbook to send to friends. Oh, we, that's I mean, sweet. You go, wow. You go to print shops and you get, oh yeah, give me the spiral binding. Yeah, yeah, print this. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yep, I used to be one book. of those guys. Yeah, we've got some of those old books. We go, oh, okay. And I had been collecting <laughs> these recipes for years and years and years. And um, girlfriends of mine said, when are you going to get that cookbook off your computer? I'm going, hmm, I have to have a reason to do that. So I said, okay, I'll start a mini memoir because my mother had died and I wanted to pay tribute to her. So I wrote a letter to her after she had died and I said, okay, I'm going to take hold of my power and I'm going to do, I'm going to manifest all of the gifts that God gave me. So I took the cookbook and started writing about growing up and I had pictures in there from me, my dad took from when I was three days old to all through school and the Easter parades and all that stuff. And I had photos of my family and I would tell who they were. And then I decided that people don't go to the kitchen very much anymore. So let me tell them how to set up a kitchen, what to have in the pantry all the time, how to set a table, how to make a menu. And I did all of that. And then I said, well, each of these recipes has a story. So at the top of the recipe is the story of where I got it from and 
what relationship that person had to me. Then I give you the ingredients. Then I give you the instructions on how to do it. And some with some humor. And I'll tell you about one of them as soon as I finish. Um, and then at the bottom, it tells you what utensils you'll have to get together to make this. And uh, I did that for each recipe. And I said, oh, this is working. <laughs> so <laughs> I, they compiled and I had to decide what categories. And then I had to design the book. And then I had to design tabs to go on. And I went, how are these tabs going? And I worked it all out on my computer and sent the file to the printer. So I did that cookbook all by myself. And I'm really proud of that cookbook. As you should And be. people want to know what it means, what the title means. And grace, soul, and mother wit. Um, grace has to do with ease, but it also has to do with the prayer that you say before a meal. Okay. Oh, okay. And soul, soul was what we cooked with. It was one of the ingredients that we used when preparing a meal. And mother wit is common sense that you get from doing something over and over again or naturally have common sense and that's mother wit so that kind of was the title my husband hated the title but i said oh okay <laughs> mind your own anyway. business <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's catchy enough to have people ask what does this mean so it's perfect now one of my favorite recipes was my mother's waffles it's rosalie's waffles okay and she separates the eggs and beats the egg whites. And I modified it a little by putting in some orange peel and some Grand Marnier. And this is a recipe that all the kids, when they come home, their friends, their relatives, their cousins, you're going to make waffles today. <laughs> <laughs> you're a victim of your own success. Of <laughs> right? They're really, really good. It sounds like And then like one it. of the funny recipes is... Um, King Tim's King Crab Legs. And it starts off with beer. And you <sighs> boil like water and you put beer in it. And then you take a sip. And then you do this to the crabs. And then you take a sip. <laughs> and then, so the whole recipe, while you're doing it, you have to drink beer. So I thought that was one of the funny recipes that we had in there. <laughs> I, I already think it's my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did Tim contribute a lot to that? Or was that just like, hey, by the way? <laughs> oh, he knew I was doing it. And he looked at it and he said, mm, put some cayenne pepper. I said, okay, I'll put some pepper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Otherwise, he kind of stays out of my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so jumping back over to the Doors uh, book, uh -huh. uh, what you already kind of talked about what had inspired it. How many uh, doors have you f uh, photographed through your journeys? Ooh, that's hard to say. Hundreds. Hundreds. Maybe thousands. Um, I didn't know that a lot of times when I was traveling, even with uh, the lifestyles that are rich and famous, sure. I was taking pictures. I've always had with me at all times, except not traveling. Traveling with me, I always had a camera uh, in my life. I've always had sewing machines, so I don't move to another place without sewing machines and setting up sewing room. But I have been taking pictures and I would come back and uh, have lunch with my girlfriends and they said, oh, that's it. Where'd you go this time? And I'd show them pictures. They go, oh, these are really good pictures. You know, you should, you know, hang some of these in the gallery. And I said, 
you got to be a photographic artist to do that. And they said, you should hang some of these in the gallery. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and on my 60th birthday, I said, okay, I'm going to be a photographic artist. Now I have to figure out what that means and how to get there. And I started and I was on the board of a gallery down in Petersburg, Virginia. And they had a blank month that they didn't have uh, programmed. And I said, would you mind if I hang my stuff uh, in the gallery for that? Oh, sure. Come on. And I hung all my doors. I matted them and framed them and hung them all in the, in the place and um, held my breath while the general public came to determine what kind of photographic artist I was. And I sold a lot of them right off the wall. That's awesome. But the interesting thing that day was that there was a photographer who came from Newport News or somewhere. He's the guy who took the iconic picture of the sailor kissing the woman on 42nd oh, yes. Street. Yeah. And he, I didn't know who he was, and I, he came through. And he said, are you um, accepting notes? I said, oh, sure, sure. And he says, you see, you have mats of all different colors on. on why don't you just make the mat white and let the picture sing? I said, oh, now that's a good idea. He said, here's my card. If you ever need to talk about this, I, you're doing good work. Uh, call me. And I looked at it and I'm going, <laughs> I was floored. <laughs> so what an that honor. Was my introduction. And it grew from there. I started selling prints off the walls and at events, people would invite me to speak about my journey and, and uh, sell prints and it was before 2008. Wow. <laughs> because at 2008, nobody had money to be dry, buying prints right. for the wall. So I said, okay, now what do I do with this to monetize it? So I shrunk them down and I started making note cards. Yes. And I would box note cards and sell those. And those were flying off the door. And I was still doing these talks. And I said, I have talked this thing to death. Let me write it down. And that was the first book. Wow. And the first book became the second book, which was uh, my trip to Cuba in 2015. And going to like eight different cities in Cuba and living with the people and taking pictures of doors. Oh, my God. The, the art in Cuba is just incredible because they have nothing. And they make art out of nothing. Amazing, huh. amazing, wonderful people. So I did that book. That was the year that Cuba kind of opened up, 2015. And then um, I did a book on France and a book on Belgium, but they were more catalog-like than journeys with um, notes like the other two, first two books were. Okay. And then I did the cookbook. I see. I was thinking they came in reverse order. So I'd heard you say that there were uh, four volumes, or I read there were four total volumes. Are yes. these the uh, finished volumes, yep. or are there more to yeah, come? Yeah, the first book is just called Doors. The second book is Cuba. Cuba. And the third book is um, Belgium, and the fourth book is France. Okay. So of all the thousands of pictures of doors uh, you've taken, how do you decide what doors make the cut into the book? I only take one shot of each door. I let Ooh. God light it. I don't have a tripod. 
It's a handheld picture. And I take one shot of it. I want people to see what I see. Okay. So I import the picture. I see if I can tweak it a little bit so that it resonates a little more with me. And that's the picture. If I can't tweak it, it gets put on the side. I see. And I have been blessed. I've gotten hundreds to choose from. And I got gorgeous. to go to China and I did Chinese doors. But the sad thing about that was that a lot of doors in China are now glass. Oh. <laughs> all the traditional <laughs> neighborhoods are all gone. Mm. You have to find a little Hunan somewhere. And I found a couple of them, but most of the doors and the pictures from the Chinese collection are of the Forbidden City, which had incredible architectural doors. And that's where I think I... I got my spark from my studies of architecture. Sure. Right. I really like details. I like the the texture and the color and what God has done to the door that really is inviting to me. And, and the craftsmanship of people who make doors. I like them old and beat up. <laughs> <laughs> and they're gorgeous. They're absolutely gorgeous. And I'm not just Thank saying you. that to, uh, to, to brown nose or anything, I promise. They truly are. And I invite people to check them out at DaphneMaxwellReed.com, which we will put a link to on our website and with this post. And not only are there the books, like the, the note cards you had spoken of, but I had also seen there was a calendar on there. And uh, that tote bag that seems to be sold out now, but that tote bag is pretty sharp. They're back. They are back. <laughs> They're back. I have 10 more. Uh, I designed the fabric using the pictures of doors that I had taken around the world right. and had the fabric printed and uh, had another fabric printed that has Daphne style written on it, like Louis yeah. Vuitton's little luggage. And that's the lining of it. And it's got a pocket in it. And I tested different handles and decided that I love this strapping that I got from Oregon that's feels like um, seatbelt strapping. Okay. Right. And it's really a good hand for a bag. Those first 20 that I made were gone. And I said, okay, that's limited edition. I think we have one more shot at this. <laughs> so <laughs> I made some for this season and uh, we're refreshing the um, website. So let you know that they're there. Okay, okay. Perfect. Perfect. And you're and you're making those all by hand yourself. By hand, yes. Incredible. Yes. As it, well as the coats that I design, I'd make by hand. And gosh. my husband has browbeaten me for years. Why don't you get these manufactured? I said, because I don't want to. They're art pieces to me, and the people who buy my coats know that I handmade them just for them. That's and awesome. That adds a lot more value than buying something off a rack. Absolutely. Absolutely. It does. Wow. So so are, do you have uh, like multiples of the same design out there? Or there's just like one of a kinds going out to every person? or There are two different styles and they get to two choose which style. I see. And uh, then they select the color and the fabric that they want. They're all made out of Chinese silk brocade and I've got lots of swatches. So they pick which one they want and they say, give me this. Okay. How cool. How talented you are in so many different ways. I'm so blessed. 
I, I would need to ask about what's new in the future for you. Any creative endeavors? I heard you mention earlier the uh, Comic Cons. I didn't realize are you, you're doing the con circuit too. Oh yeah, whenever okay. they invite me, I, I'll head out and do some Comic Cons and meet the fans and see who's been watching. We're on our third generation of people watching Fresh Prince, so that's always fun. How neat <laughs> to uh, do that. Um, I'm on the new Bel Air. Uh, the first two yes. seasons of Bel Air. That was a blast to do because the talent on that show is just freaking amazing. <laughs> right. <laughs> they are so talented. And I love the way they get to give you a 360 degree of each character like we didn't have time to do on a sitcom. Right. So that was a fun, fun uh, time. And uh, this summer I've been co-hosting a local morning show. And oh, that's really, yeah, 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 yeah. Virginia this morning. I wonder, I wonder if that's online for people outside the area to watch. It is WTVR.com. Okay. Well, that sounds like another link I need to put on the, on the poster. <laughs> I want to see that. I want to see that. Very good. Yeah. We have a lot of fun. Daphne, thank you so much for taking time to be here with us tonight. This has been a pleasure. And I want to re remind everyone once again, DaphneMaxwellReed.com. Anywhere else I should be directing people? Instagram. I, I post every once in a while on Instagram. Okay. And, Is it just uh, your name on there? Ms. Daphne 13. Ms. Oh, that's why I couldn't Daphne find you. 13. Okay. Got you. Well, yeah. again, thank you so much, Daphne. This has been a pleasure. And you just have a wonderful evening, okay? And you as well. All right, ladies and gentlemen, and once again, there it was, our conversation with Daphne Maxwell-Reed. Damn, that was fun. It, it, it's crazy to me because I've always known her as Aunt Viv. And well, doing I think the, everyone has, well, yeah. yeah. But doing the research and just learning what a dynamic person she is, yeah. just it, it's freaking incredible. I mean, just the myriad of talent that she possession, yeah. possesses and utilizes. Like, and how she just, makes them all work together together yeah. Yeah. yeah like in harmony it's it's awesome and what an awesome conversation that was uh, i want to thank her so much for yeah. taking time to be on the show <laughs> uh, again we, we talk to these people quite a bit but some every once in a while you get you get giddy a little yeah. bit and I, we're giddy over here guys <laughs> we're, we're fangirling all right fangirling a little it. bit <laughs> but yeah go to daphne maxwell .com and you can find out uh, more about everything we were talking about uh especially her books and her design at work and stuff, but uh, also her acting. And check out uh, her IMDb page, because that's impressive as well. Uh, and I just, again, want to thank her for taking time to be here. Were yeah. you going to say something? I was just going to say, if you see her at a con near you, go see her. That's meet exciting. Meet her in person. Yeah, I mean. Because I didn't know that. I didn't know that until she said it, that uh, they go to con. So we'll have to keep an eye out. Yeah, and she's just the type of person that you can just sit there and just listen to and just being all yeah 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 exactly so, so okay fangirl off <laughs> yeah we got to get out of here at some point <laughs> but uh yeah once again big thanks to daphne for being on the show and with that randy what do we have on the website go to candairpodcast.com see our past episodes our special guests our wall of heroes find all the links to everything you would need candair related and uh if you have a project and want to come hang out with us uh Send us a message on our contacts page. Exactly. And once again, don't forget to find us on Twitter at CannedAirPod, on Instagram at Canned underscore Air, and on TikTok at CannedAirPodcast. And uh, once again, like Randy was saying, CannedAirPodcast.com is the home to the merch tab and the Patreon tab. Not only, but that's where they reside. 
and uh, for a little bit of your hard-earned cash, you can get some stuff in return uh, while you're supporting us. Uh, T-shirts, mugs, hoodies, all that stuff. A or, shit ton of content on Patreon. Or just content, extra <laughs> content. Like he said, a ton of it. A ton of it. Years worth of it. And it's good content, but I might be a little biased. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, what else am I forgetting? Uh, again, if you have spooky stories, we want to yes. hear them. Please, please, please. We know you're listening, people. We see the downloads. Join us. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, come see us if you're local on uh, in the end of November at Tour Gaming Expo. And uh, Yeah. Yeah. Last year was such a blast, and we got to meet so many cool people, people who are already fans, people uh, who are just learning about us for the first time. It was so much fun. It's always fun pressing the flesh with these people. Come out and see us. Even if we're not there, it's a great convention, but we want to see you guys. It's not that intimidating, so don't worry. We're not going to, like, body slam you or anything. <laughs> we got another one! Get <laughs> over off here. the table! Ah! <laughs> no, no, no. We're very, uh, we're very relaxed, nice fellas, and we just want to say hi to you. And we, we might even have a little, uh, little something for you if hey. you come up and address yourself as a fan. Yeah, hell yeah. So let us know. You never know. But uh, I guess I don't know for sure yet. But I got an we'll idea. We'll have something. We'll have something. It might be a cupcake, but we'll have something. No, it won't be no fucking cupcake. <laughs> You're right, because I'm going to eat all them bitches. <laughs> we'll have something for you. <laughs> but anyway, uh, what am I forgetting? Is that That's everything. You, spooky Stories, Tour Gaming Convention. Shout out to Evergreen Podcast. Leave us a like in wherever you're listening to us. And, yes. Uh, yeah. There you yeah, have it. That does it. There you have it. Fully promoted. Bills paid. And I think that's what we call an episode, ladies and gentlemen. So until the next time, I am Jeremy Colley. And I'm Randy Hardenbrook. Be excellent to each other, everyone. to approach a stray dog, especially one that's foaming at the mouth. Get away from the animal as quickly as you can and tell a grown-up. And knowing is half the battle. This has been a Canned Air production.
I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, I think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I've never done it. (laughs) Right.